0: Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks with Leif Hetland. We invite you into the conversation and celebration of what God is doing around the world through his sons and daughters. Leif shares insights into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode.
1: Well, hello everyone. This is Leif Hetland and welcome to Kingdom Family Talk. And I have this great honor to have a very, very dear friend. I'm trying to figure out even my relationship to Chad because he is, uh, he is in a way a spiritual son. He is definitely a friend. He's a spiritual father to an amazing church as well as he's married to Wendy, and they had three amazing children, Sam and Jack and Ruthie. And uh, I was just trying, Chad, to remember the first time we met. I think that was in a previous church when you were the associate pastor. Tell me about that. I'm just...
0: That would have been eight or nine years ago, and uh, the, the church I was on staff at brought you in to communicate and God did a lot, a lot of wonderful things, unusual things. And then it was a few years later at a conference in Nashville where we really had a divine connection, where the angelic <laughs> winds literally showed up. Wow.
1: And I still remember Nashville. We came out of the elevator and it was like a wind that came over us. Yeah. And Now, so God, God did something. And it's always nice when you know it's the sovereignty of God that sets up uh, covenant relationships. And it's just been an honor to to what would you bought when it's been sunshine as well as when it's been rain during winter season, but also during harvest time in the fall. So we've we've been at least having a few seasons in life together. And now you are walking with me in, in my morning season. So how are you doing in the middle of everything that's been going on with COVID? And so, so how are you and how are your family and how is your church?
0: Well, it's been without a doubt the most unusual year and 24 years of leadership I've ever had. Uh, I, I pastor a church in Greenville, South Carolina called Bridgeway Church. And if you would have told me a year and a half ago that that the world would shut down and uh, whew, what a year. I, I tell you, though, not to sound over spiritual, I really mean it. It has blessed us. It's blessed my family. Uh, it's blessed the DNA of this house at Bridgeway. Just really care about uh, discipleship and, and biblically speaking, life on life, messy relationships. We really pivoted a lot. Uh, I lead a school here called Ascent University. We have Ascent University online, it's a discipleship-based program. And we actually saw traction in the DNA of discipleship in this house when we could not meet publicly for a while. We actually grew in strength uh, during COVID. I didn't see that coming, but we're good. Uh, Wendy and I are great. First son, Sam's going off to college next year. So I'm getting old like you and Jennifer now. We're, getting, we're old <laughs> parents now.
1: That's That's amazing. And now, some of the topics we have talked about, and I can give you the background. A couple of years ago, I was heading to Texas, and it's a large mega church. And the elders wanted to meet with me, have some good time conversation. We've started to develop a good relationship, mainly a Southern Spirit filled Southern Baptist church. And I was flying there, and I didn't know I had this tightness in my chest. Little problem breathing that night I couldn't sleep and I didn't know what it was. And I was trying to reflect in the past and all I remember from Congo and Sudan and Pakistan, I've been treated a couple of times for PTSD. And then I realized it was the same symptoms I had. And then as I was reflected and prayed about it, why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? And then I heard PTCD, post-traumatic church disorder. And I realized that 20 years earlier, I have been through a brutal, painful time in church that brought me and my wife and our family were traumatized. And now some of the things that we were heading into, and by the way, by the time I got to Texas, all of that was a lie, but still the symptoms was there. This church came to bless us, actually became the biggest giver, and it was just extravagant what they did for me. So it was totally the opposite. But that's when I realized, and then just recently, just a couple of months ago, I was in Louisiana, and the glory and the presence showed up. And then that Saturday, we were just having dinner with a couple and a phone call came in and I could feel the whole room were freezing. And it was a small little thing. But I realized and I said, Holy Spirit, what was that? He said, that's PTCD. So I talked to the couple and ministered to the pastors. And then later on, on a Sunday, I described that and make the story short, 70 percent of the people had I mean, they had trauma because of church experiences. I had one girl had been raped by the youth pastor. I mean, the list goes on and on and on by what people had experienced, but it was healing taking place. So I just know, I know this season that we are in, that what God is doing first with his people, he's bringing wholeness to us and bringing healing to us so that we can bring healing to a broken world. But when we are so broken, how are we going to be able to deal with the brokenness that is around us? So do you have any wisdom in regard to... Some of the, the, the hurts of what I call some of that PTCD or the wounds that is there. And how can we actually start helping God's people to become whole so we can minister Jesus, the Prince of Wholeness or Shalom to the world around us?
0: Over 20 years ago, I was at Beeson Divinity School, getting my Master of Divinity degree, being the good little seminary kid. And one of the first classes I took was from a, a British renowned scholar named Dr. Bruce Winter, who's the world's leading authority at the time. On 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And we dug into 1st and 2nd Corinthians for five months. And I remember when it was over, I said, I think that might be the most messed up church I've ever heard of or read of in my life. It's been this way from the beginning, Life. And, you know, being almost 50 years old and 24 years experience in ministry, it's not just that hurt people hurt people, people hurt people. Leaders get hurt. Uh, sheep get hurt. Uh, this is something that uh, a few years ago, my wife and I were going through a season at Bridgeway. I got on my knees one night and I asked the father to release me uh, for being a lead pastor. just got tired of the pain. Uh, called Called you about it. Went through the darkest season of my life. And here I am, a couple years, a couple three years on the other side of just going through some really hard things through church. I really believe, from the bottom of my heart, that I am on this earth to learn how to forgive. Mm. I, I mean, I, I mean it. I uh, I believe I'm down here to learn how to love. Mm. It's harder to find someone that doesn't have trauma connected to church relationships than it is. It, it's almost like it's hard to meet someone that hasn't gone through a hard season. Matter of fact. Before I kick it back to you, it wasn't too long ago, I gave an invitation to the altar. If you've been hurt in church, come forward. There's an anointing here. Everybody in the building came forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I kind of defined the difference between everybody's being hurt, but when there is certain trauma, and then in the next moment, that trauma that is also often fear connected to the trauma is actually drawing more pain towards them because there's not freedom. So even as you're saying that forgiveness, if I hadn't experiencing... Uh, loss I couldn't experience in gain. So it's all these tensions that you're saying, the lessons, people ask me, where did you learn how to love? Uh, Right behind me, I have from the president of Pakistan. It says the ambassador of love, the International Peace Award. And people say, how did you become an ambassador of love? And I said, hurt, pain, brokenness, (laughs) uh, people trying to kill me. That's why I learned it. It was not because I read a book on agape or it, it was actually the processes we went through where we experienced something opposite in his nature and let him wash our feet so we could wash the feet of the Judases in our life. That has been the school that many of us have been through. Uh, What has been your experience with us?
0: I had a meeting yesterday, like uh, with a a man who's been sober now five years, been discipling him. Um, He sent me a text. We were together for about an hour And he said, hey, I just want to let you know, I felt the love of God coming off of you like I've never felt. Wow. So I talked to the father about that. I said, what is that? And he said, you truly know how to love after you've been crushed. Hmm. You know, there's a lot of things we go through in life, in my opinion, that we're wondering, God, where are you? And in the weird way, he's actually the one that's ushering into seasons that produce love in us. Uh, that's, that's what I've seen. You know, you had your accident in a swimming pool. How many years ago was that? 26. Uh, did the father do that? I don't think so, but i tell you what he does. He somehow enters the crushing Mm. somehow enters. The reason you love so well is because you've been hurt deeply. You've been cut deeply. And, um, there's five instances in the new Testament where a higher realm of glory comes through a higher realm of suffering. So in Philippians 3.10, Jesus, the whole idea of Paul saying there is we want to know Jesus intimately, Gnosko in the Greek, intimately, but in the fellowship of his sufferings. Here's what I've learned uh, on the backside of going through a a season of accusation towards my wife and I, a lot of public gossip and slander. I've actually learned to love on a level that I didn't before. Uh, When I tapped out, Abba started tapping in with me. I started hearing him more clearly. It's undeniable. The amount of angelic encounters, the amount of uh the prophetic gift I walk in has increased. Somehow we get wounded and we learn to heal through the wounds. And I, you know, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we went on vacation last week. I told Wendy I would go through all the hurt again <laughs> because. You know what it's done for us, church hurt? Well, let's talk about from a leader's perspective. It's done marriage therapy in my marriage that marriage therapy in Colorado couldn't do. I've been yeah. to two weeks of therapy in Colorado. This, The stuff we went through brought us together. God's in the mess. I think we learn how to forgive. When it comes to trauma, I actually just hired a young lady who's specializing in trauma help here. I'm learning a lot from her. Wow there's a difference. We're all hurt, but not all of us carry trauma. That trauma thing really needs some specified slow rehab. And that has really sobered me up because I've heard you mention the word trauma three or four times. That is a real thing. I just hired someone to steward that here. That normally is not healed through a touch. That is long conversations and slow and it's real. And I, I think there needs to be more conversations on it. Um, suicide rates for pastors have skyrocketed. Uh, the average tenure of a lead pastor in church is 1.7 years. And I think we need to be more equipped on what trauma is and how to steward the love of the Father into the middle of it.
1: So good. That is so good. And I was just also thinking about a story about Joseph, which you say? Uh, somebody that definitely had been traumatized from his own brothers, his own family, throwing him into the, actually they want to kill him. And then eventually they ended up selling him as a slave to the Ishmaelites, which would have been the Muslims of today. And then eventually the whole journey, the trauma and the prison, he had the false accusation of rape. You go through his whole life. And then in the end, I, I, this is one of my favorite parts in the whole scripture where The brothers are there and finally have that opportunity, but he is not free from trauma. He's been through. There's at least 11 trauma experiences in his life, but he gets to the end there and he tells, first, leave this room. And then he says, come closer. He didn't want them to be fearful. And And then the next one says, you did not do this. God did this so I could bless you. Go and tell the Father. And that's where I would like to live, like what Joseph did there, to be able to. There's not one single person I can say that with honesty if they were coming into this room that I couldn't embrace them with love. And I've had some things happen to me. And that's why I want to live in that freedom. Because whom the Son set free is free indeed. So uh, could it be that God is setting us free to be able to set people free? And what the serpent has bitten us is where we have the greatest authority. Uh,
0: you know what you said, too, God. when you talked about Joseph, God did this. I'm not so sure a lot of charismatics are open to that. <laughs> I, I mean, who does the crushing? We have some friends here that own a winery in Greenville, outside of Greenville, and they go to church here, and it's unusual to, to own a winery in this part of the country, but they do, and God's really blessed it. We, I've learned a lot about crushing of the grapes, the process of the wine. Uh, the father's the gardener, and I've never been more convinced in my life that I am down here to love and forgive and give myself away. I've just noticed, life, that I actually, I'm loving more now than I did before going a lot through a lot of pain. Hmm. And see, for me, Jesus, he was tempted in three ways in the desert the devil went towards his ambition, his appetite, and his approval. I've always had a core need of approval. So the father told me before I was going to go through a season, he was going to take me through a very difficult season. So the father ushered me through a lot of disapproval. And on the other side of that, learning to love from that place, you can't get in a book. I, I never told you this, but I was at a grocery store one day and I said, father, I want to live so long and keep ministering till I'm 100 years old that people can't believe it and I make the devil really nervous. This way he said, really quick, he said to me, drink a gallon of water a day and forgive your enemies every day of your life. Wow. See, it's one thing to love people. It's another thing for you to be able to hug in that room, someone who's walked into that walked in that room who has deeply wounded you. Yep. Those are two different things.
1: Oh, it is. Uh, I also was thinking about another thing that has been important for me. I think I've learned to love well and forgive well. But I think we're also in a season. I call it even, I've just released a baptism of love 2.0. The baptism of love 1.0 is when we're receiving how much the Father loves us. But the 2.0 is, John was probably the only disciple that got it, is when Chad loves Chad the way that Jesus loves Chad. When we love ourselves the way that the Father loves us, Jesus loved Jesus the way their father loved Jesus. That's covenant. That's at one moment and out of that. So I think what's another thing that I have struggled with, it's just honest here, is to forgive myself, to love myself and forgive myself the way that the father forgives me. Because the three areas that I've been attacked the most is shame, guilt, and fear. Those are the three. And those are the three areas that I'm bringing the most healing to people, the area being attacked. So what do you have to say about that, Chad?
0: Well maybe you're a prophet sir. I uh, I had a session this morning with a young lady I just hired here that focuses on trauma. And what surfaced in my session is she she said you need to be really kind with yourself. You need to love the you need to learn to love yourself. <laughs> uh, sometimes what we minister the most powerful in or what we're the most efficient in you know, it's funny, I've written two books on spiritual orphanhood. Well, it's because I, I was probably the biggest orphan in the room. I, I think it's overlooked. I think that for whatever reason, we have a hard time receiving love for ourselves. I, you know, I, I want to dish it out, but the season he has me in is uh, loving myself. Matter of fact, recently, the Lord led me to, uh, I hired a a secular counselor. And I really wanted to work with her. She deals with food addictions. And I wanted to work with her. And I said, what is it about food that has a draw on me? Because I I don't want to go the rest of my life. I don't want to be mastered by anything down here. Mm -hmm. And you know what she said? We got to the core of it. She's non-Christian, by the way. She said, at the core of this for you is self-hatred. Wow. And I think you're hitting on on something big. And when it comes to the post-traumatic church disorder, no matter who's hurt who, no matter who's in the wrong or who's in the right, we tend to project onto others what we project onto ourselves the most. Yeah, And uh, perhaps Calvary is just as real for Chad Norris as it is. You know, I'm a lead pastor, and I have a hard time loving myself. The Father's helping me come to grips with that and receive love from Him. Mm. I think this is an enormous deal of what you're talking about for most people.
1: Yeah. I had an encounter just... Uh... I've had a lot of encounters in the middle of this black hole that I've been in with a grief, was emotionally fatigued. And I feel the weapon of the enemy has been first fatigue. Then he pushes the button of fear. And when fear comes in, you failed. You failed, Chad. Then forsaken. He isolates us. And we feel we're the only one. So fatigue, fear, failure, forsaken. So I just came from the Middle East. And then all these hits was happening. And then out of nowhere, I could hear Papa's voice. He said. Leif, I have always been faithful to you, and I am not impressed by your successes nor your failures. I simply love you because you are my son. I'm not impressed with your successes nor your failures. I simply love you because you are my son. And... I've done a lot similar like you on talking about chair one and this and that, but how do I, when I'm in chair number two, show compassion for me? Not just when I'm doing well or successes, but that the father loves me as much in my failures, as he does my successes. And I think that's gonna to minister to some of the people that are out there because there's a lot of people that feel, even they maybe not passed the test, they feel instead of not going through the journey and get the upgrades that Papa God has for us
0: in this season. I thank God He loves me and my failures. I think it's that's probably what I struggle with the most. I laughed not too long ago. He said, Chad, don't give in to a Messiah complex. I'm not Jesus. I um on my best day, I, I need Jesus. It's like it's like taking a deep breath and realizing realizing when I'm not at my best, he still loves me. I tend to, it's almost like I'm a practicing Catholic. I, I tend, I'm okay with God loving me and my perceived successes. But the moment you start talking about the father loving me when I'm, when I drop the ball. But I can tell you this, as of today, this morning I had a counseling session. Wow. That's where I'm at. He loves me. I love him. I, I keep badgering you about this book, but I read this book written by this former former skeptic, engineer, and he researched thousands of near-death experiences, people that had encounters. They were dead, verifiably dead, and they come back to life, operating tables, car wrecks. And the Lord, in all these encounters, the Lord never talks to the person about what they built out, what they did with their lives. He's only concerned in these encounters, in the data. Did you learn to love well? Did you learn to forgive? There's even a funny story about an artist that won a huge award and the guy didn't understand why the Lord wasn't talking about that. And the Lord explained, that's not, that's not the father, what he, he's concerned about your heart. You receiving love, giving it away. It's, it's all true. It, and here's the deal. We're, we all want the affection of our father. Yeah. We already have it. And I think that's the enemy's number one design is to keep you from receiving it.
1: Yeah. Wow. And I just, I took some notes, uh, during this week and that the Lord was just speaking to me and if you put your ear on the ground and then you can hear can you see me do you want me do you (laughs) love me this is the cry I mean you can look at every YouTube channel every tweet news media the orphan spirit that is out there is looking for a home they're looking for acceptance they're looking for and I think that one of the biggest hindrances for that is that a lot of us have not learned to accept us the way that Papa accepts us, to love yes. us the way he loves. It's not just to know how much he loves me. That I've received that in the year 2000, that a journey, what does it look like for Leif to love Leif the way the father loves Leif. That was the secret of Jesus. So that's when the enemy, as you mentioned, those three tests that came was also com- all connected to that. But because he already had the approval and the affirmation of his father, he didn't have to prove anything. And that's where I feel like for all of us in this season, That's that. I think that there's healing in the bottom of that. When Chad is good to Chad the way the Papa God is good to Chad and love Chad and forgive Chad. That's been what I've been going through. But I can hear as I put my ear to the ground and hearing the cry, hey, can anybody notice me? Anybody wants me? Anybody accepts me? Anybody? I mean, the, the cry of the orphan spirit is all over the place. And I think that that's where we have an incredible opportunity to be able to introduce them to Jesus, who's brought the way and the truth and the life for people. But the whole purpose of the way is to bring them to the destination, which is the father. And a lot of people, there's people that have never found a way, and if you are here and you have not found a way, that you're going to come to Jesus and receive Jesus today and your life will never be the same. But then allow Jesus to start on the journey to take you home so that you can experience both the truth and the life so that it can bring you home to the Father because that's the destination. Living your life like you have a home, a place of security, love, value, purpose, and affirmation.
0: You know, it's funny. I'm sitting here thinking it's about eight or nine years ago. I uh, was in a room, you and Randy were ministering and it started raining in the room. And all you were doing on stage was talking about the father's love. Here I am nine years later on a podcast talking about the father's love. I'm going to be 90-something years old one day, talking to you on some podcast, and we're going to be talking about the Father's love, and thank God for it. You know, life what makes me sad, and I'm one of them, you know who has a really hard time with the Father's love a lot is some of his servants who are leading at a high level, who somehow receive grace, but then God starts elevating you, and you expect to be perfect, and you put so much pressure on yourself. It's almost like uh, leaders in the kingdom the longer they walk they can even still have a hard time receiving that love it's it's the ones that don't burn out they just stay there they just mm. they just stay in the love I mean every time I'm with you all we talk about is the same thing <laughs> but I really think that's what the Lord did and he he still does he still abides in his father's love
1: yeah that is so good. I just take a quote from uh, Andrew Murray. What the father's love was to Jesus, his love will be to us. What the father's love was to Jesus, that love, his love is going to be to us. His life of dependency on the father was a life in the father's love. I just wrote that down right before this conversation. Is that his life of dependency on the father was a life in the father's love. And that's why I say I'm safe, and you can feel safe with me when the main thing is the main thing, Uh, because you cannot have this relationship to the father if you don't know who you are as a son. And the maturity of a sonship moves into a friendship. And I know you have done a whole book, so tell me a little bit about the, the friendship also that comes from your sonship, with god and how do you mix that with a fear of the lord and one way we talk about friendship we think but i'm just a buddy but i know that you have written about that but i think it's going to be important even for you to mention that as people are perhaps getting your book and and being blessed but how can you have a sonship that moves into a friendship and at the same time being in awe in the awesomeness of who he is and who you are not
0: wow I mean, you asked me something I'm so passionate about. I have a book coming out in December with Destiny called God is Shaking His Temple, The Fear of the Lord's Returning to the Church. Uh, Long story short, the Father took me through a 10-year period of my own identity that blew my mind. I went from having a nervous breakdown, uh, literally coming off three medications, to within nine months seeing blind eyes open when I prayed for a lady. Started seeing signs and wonders uh, break out, lots of unusual experiences. It was all because I had a radical encounter with love. Literally, I wrote all about that. I looked at Jesus. He stared at me. I got revelation of the Father. For 10 years, it was identity. And then 10 years into that journey, uh, Romans eleven twenty two 22 says, consider both the kindness and severity of God. God began to take me on the journey, which now I'm about eight years into on showing me his severe side. I, hmm. I love how Graham Cook says it. God has the sunniest disposition of anyone he's ever met. God also killed Ananias and Sapphira and ate Herod with worms in the new covenant. And so here's what I found probably. People don't like paradox. Mm. We like ditches. We, most of us do on all seven continents. And it's typically either or. And God seems to be both ends. And so I have written a book on Romans 11:22. And it's on his kindness and his severity. And I've come to the conclusion just through walking with him, my best friend, that the really, the only indication biblically in the new covenant of friendship with God is obedience. Mm -hmm. So we see this with Samuel. He's probably the best example in the old covenant. But then Jesus says in the new covenant, you are my friends if you do what I command. That word, their command there is not a, you're going to work it out with him. You're in counseling together. It's, he's the leader. I'm the follower. And for whatever reason... In the charismatic stream, I have seen such an unbelievable outpouring of identity. The danger of that is if you're so entrenched in identity without revelation of severity, it can really lead to some dangerous places. To me, it's the ultimate paradox in scripture. He is the kindest person I've ever met, and he is God Almighty. And so I I talk about an experience I had in Camelsville, Kentucky, where uh, the glory of God came into the room. I thought I was going to die. I was in a room by myself. His holiness was so strong. I I I don't. I would never want it to happen again. And I'm, I'm writing about the paradox of, yes, he's kind and good, but we are to fear him. And fear him is to do what he says, when he says, and how he says it. Hmm. He told me back in January, you're at an impasse with me. I knew what he meant. And he said, I told you years ago, I'll give you the nations when you give me your food. And I said, I'll give it to you. I said, what do I do? He said, I want you to go on a long uh, juice fast. One of our Scent students comes up, gives me a word of knowledge within minutes. And God, my best friend, told me I was at an impasse with him. And he started teaching me about new covenant idolatry. And as I began to give him my food and seek help and get some counseling, what is it? What is the draw here? He showed me, yes, Chad, I love you, but you cannot have any more gods before me. It blew my mind one day. I said, Father, what do you see in me? What do you want to talk about today? He said, you shall have no other gods before you. And I didn't understand. And he began to show me these demigods in my life. He began to show me that when I place my wife on the throne and I value her opinion, even above the fathers or anyone else, it's an illegal transaction. I didn't have any revelation of this going back. But in the last seven years, he's opened my eyes to new covenant idolatry. And a lot of Charismatics that I love, I, I pastor a charismatic church. I think the eyes are starting to open that the fear of the Lord is not a part of the conversation. It's it, it's the whole thing. And so if you can match a passion for identity and sonship and orphan spirit, he's Abba, Dad and he loves me, that's great. But it can't be void of fear of the Lord. Yeah, that's so good. I've actually been to a similar season.
1: And uh, it, it's kind of when Uzziah, I know that's in, in the Old Testament, but still yeah. it's in the Bible, it was in the year King Uzziah died. And I've been through a Uzziah moment where anything you depend on is dying. And that's what the relationship was say That's when I saw him high and lifted up. And as soon as I see him, now there's this this woe is me. Woe is me, not them, not America, not woe is me. I mm. am the one with unclean lip, And I, now I can identify and then the fire that he's doing, and I'm in the middle of that season. It's painful. You go from the, bring that call of fire on my tongue. And then eventually open up the ear when your, when your lips has been cleansed by that fire, but also you have a message, you're burning one. Your ears is open up and you can hear the conversation in heaven. Who are we going to send? It's father, son, spirit talking. And then here am I, send me. And I really feel like as a big picture that the, there was a lot of woe was them or they are the issue or it's so and so until the moment when you have whatever the demigods dying in your life or anything you depend on including from me that the father gave me papa jack but then i'm so comfortable every day leaning my heart towards papa god and papa jack that in the next moment i realized when that is gone suddenly i felt like an orphan and i just been teaching as an orphan so in the middle of all of that, I, I've had a beautiful, new, fresh God encounter. But now I'm in a season where he's burning my lips. And there's a lot of things that is burning that is not very pleasant in that season. But I do know there's an invitation coming from it. So, so I, I look forward both to read that book. And I know that's so much of your life. And I would like you to minister even to some of the people. Perhaps you have prophetic word or something. But i sensing some of the things we are talking about. Because God is actually bringing us back to himself. In a in a whole new fresh way. so Chad, do you mind just minister to some of our kingdom family that are listening here?
0: yeah I, I want to tell a very unusual thing that happened three weeks ago at bridgeway. Um, I had had a dream a couple of days before this happened and in the dream uh, it was about Wittenberg Germany is about Martin Luther and the Reformation and god's I've been writing on this and God's been telling me the church is in a Reformation right now. The second Reformation, people don't even know that it's, it's actually already begun. God is dismantling his own church. He's writing the ways of COVID. God is at work in his church more more than in, since the 1500s with Luther. Well, this lady comes to church, and she, she comes to one of the associate pastors here, and she says, I feel like I'm supposed to show you all this. And it was a family heirloom Bible from the 1500s with Martin Luther's name in it from the time of the Reformation. And I looked at this, this Bible is huge, and it's the actual big Bible that was in my dream, long story short. Well, the word I have for the family is we, we are right now in the Reformation of the church. Carol Arnott ministered at Bethel Church about five years ago, one of the most powerful sermons that I have ever heard, and she ministered on the fear of the Lord. And when she did, she shook the whole time. And uh, I have a hard time remembering what I preached last week, but I remember almost everything Carol said. And the Holy Spirit told me that day that Carol is prophesying what is to come. Well, what was to come is actually here now. And what we are watching is the dismantling. The Father is at work in his church, and it is all about one thing, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord.
1: Can you explain just very shortly to people? Because when they hear that, oh, I need to be afraid right now, it can produce an unhealthy fear if you do not give a definition. What is the fear of the Lord, and how does that look like?
0: The fear of the Lord, what it is, is this. When you look at the um, the New Testament church in Acts, it was the fear of the Lord that, that, that grew that movement. So when Ananias and Sapphire go through what they went through, actually what happened was the church even spread. When when Herod received praise from men, God did not like that because God, although he is so loving and he is so kind, if you look at Psalm 82, he was even surrounded in heaven before humans were made when Lucifer said, You know what? I'm going to be as big of a deal as the Most High God is. God literally kicked Lucifer and his counterparts out of heaven. Mm -hmm. The fear of the Lord is about God being supreme in all things, it is about Chad Norris saying, Father, even though I am broken, even though you love me and I love you, what you say is my normal is my normal. I have no plans in life other than you. It's Abraham taking Isaac up to the top of the mountain and doing what God said, how he said and when he said it. The fear of the Lord, not only is it nothing to be afraid of, it's actually something to get excited about because it's making him the Lord of my life in every single area. So what's happened, in my opinion, life is uh, such a message of sonship, which changed my life. If we're not careful, we'll make God more on our level and we'll process things with him. Uh, We'll like get his opinion on things. The fear of the Lord is more this. I'll go where you go when you say to go. My life is yours. I own nothing. Psalm 24, one, everything in the world is the Lord's and everything in it. It's an utmost respect. It is an utmost obedience. You know, Jesus prayed the Shema prayer twice every day. Here's what the Shema is. Father, I'm listening to you, and I'm going to obey what you say. To me, fear of the Lord is more about obedience to the voice of the Father. Hmm. Now, if you want to talk about the fear of the Lord absent of sonship, it's going to lead to legalism. It's going to lead to burnout. It's it's going. To, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being in love with the Father. And being a laid-down lover, whatever you want. Your plans for my life are your plans. And for, for the faith family that you lead, Leif, uh, I actually just see that entire family being excited because it's it's elevating the Father to his rightful place. Amen. We, we, you know, it's funny. God made us and he made us in his image. And it seems we've turned around and done the same thing. All the fear of the Lord is is that passage that you ministered on when you were at Bridgeway. It's that Isaiah six. It mm-hmm. is yes, you love me and yes, you're my Father. But search me and know me. This whole thing's about you. It's you know what it is fear of the Lord. It's humility. Mm-hmm. It's going so low. It's the it's the pathway of Philippians two. Mm. Jesus Christ didn't consider equality with God something to play around with. The Lord went to Gethsemane. Father, I'm yours. As John Wimber said, "I'm change in your pocket." It's surrender. The fear of the Lord is taking control off my life, and I'm a little kid. I'm not here to 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 get your opinion. I'm here to take your commands. And what do you want from me?
1: Mm. It's just very interesting, and I'm going to land with this, and then let you pray. But it came to me clearly. The last words that I heard Papa Jack speak, because at first, the two sentences he said, one was, son, welcome home. I've been praying for you. And then a few moments afterwards, I said, Papa, what is your favorite message? What is your favorite message? 87 years old. And that's the last words he spoke that I heard while he was alive. And he said, Moses, Moses, what do you have in your hand? Lay it down.
0: Wow. Wow. That, that is powerful. That
1: was the last words he spoke. So what is it that God has laid down? Lay down. You know you know,
0: you know, what that reminds me of? That is an honor for you to share that. Wow. Think about this, Lay. Solomon gets to the end of his life. Jack okay. is with him now. Jack can sit. You want to know what Solomon said? He gets to the end of his life, and he says, here's the deal. I've been everywhere. I've seen everything. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's it. And there's something, here's what's wild. There's something so freeing about that. When I lay myself down, I, when even when I, when my feelings are hurt and I go through tough seasons, I, I get so tired of being me. I'm the happiest I've ever been like, I admit it. Mm-hmm. I was on, I was on Zoloft, Klonopin, Xanax 20 years ago. I had a nervous breakdown. The more me I get out of me, I'm happier. That's my wow. word to your family is the fear of the Lord is lay down at the cross. Whatever's in your hand, give it up. It's, it's a, it, it takes an anxiety off of us. Mm. The devil wants us to think that it suppresses us. Now, nah, Jesus said when a man loses his life, he finds it.
1: Come on. I want you to pray for us, Chad. Uh, wow. And tell me just also quickly the two books that you have written and how that can add value to our family. And I know you have a new one that i am got to make sure that our family are aware of.
0: Yeah, I have a book coming out in December with Destiny called The Fear of the Lord, God is Shaking His Temple. I have a book called Mama Jane's Secret that um what we're going to do is in a couple of years, I think I'm going to reprint that with Destiny. Mm-hmm. Mama Jane's Secret was uh, a book written about my journey into deep friendship with God. I have a book called Signs, Wonders, and a Baptist Preacher, the story of how a broken, cessationist kid that didn't believe <laughs> in anything supernatural had an encounter with Jesus Christ and two angels changed my life. I went from a, I mean, I, you talk about Saul of Tarsus. I never saw any of this coming. That was twenty years ago. Um, the life's influence on my life is probably most reflected in Mama Jane's Secret. It's a, it's just a journey from orphanhood into sonship. Mm. But I tell you, life in the in the paradox. This book I have coming out in December is is the is the other side of the coin of Mama Jane's Secret. Father, I thank you for life. I thank you for Jennifer. Mm. Seriously. I just sure. thank you for who they are. Yeah. I thank you that Leif is an example for a younger guy like me that you can go the distance and you can go through a lot of stuff and still just keep on going. I thank you for the family there with Lace ministry, internationally, locally, and all, where, all the way in between. I thank you, Father, uh, mostly, honestly, just for you. I just agree with Carol not. back in the day five years ago when I heard it of what was coming. We just agree that center stage is yours, of your church. This is your church, and you do with us what you will. We want to know you, but we want to know the real you. We want to be laid down for you. I thank you for so many people that have gone before us. Father, for his listeners, for his family, for his connections in ministry, those generals all over the world, I just speak blessing and honor on behalf of the younger generation that you're a group of people you're elevating as batons are beginning to pass and saints go home and other saints get older in the grandparent stages. I just, on behalf of my generation, I honor the Lays and the Randys and the Bills and all of those and the Cheyons and the Joseph Garlingtons, And even while they're still here serving you, I just, on behalf of my generation, I just honor them. I thank you for them. I ask that you give us so much wisdom, so much wisdom to know you, like to really know you.
1: I will encourage everyone that is listening just to take a
0: few moments and
1: just reflect over this and perhaps find in the next 24 hours a quiet place and just sit at his feet and just allowing him to reveal himself to you. And I think as... uh, chad so beautifully presented to be able to see his love but as you're looking into his love it becomes holy and when you're looking into his holiness it becomes love and you will not know the difference because in a moment when you see that love suddenly in the next moment you say holy 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 is that love and when you're looking at the holiness of him you will be so overwhelmed by the love when the love the love. So I just released that. I just felt that as you were looking into the Father's face, you were looking at his love and it became so holy, holy, holy. And when you looked at his holiness and his holiness and his holiness, all you were feeling overwhelmed by his love. So I just bless you to be you and bless you, even as you're taking time to just, as you're praying like David said, search my heart and just to see if there's anything in me. So I thank you for this season of healing and i thank you for my kingdom family that is out there and just for the amazing way that they have been supporting me and my family and mama frida who's living with us right now thank you that you are here with us in jesus name in jesus name thank you and share this message with somebody and get ready for this book coming out in december i'm very excited love you guys
0: thanks for listening if you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Leif on social media at Leif Hetland and sign up for our weekly newsletter at globalmissionawareness.com.